Are you feeling the stress and burden of having student loan debt? If so, that would make you and the economy in the same boat. See what I mean with this next guest. Residency can be such a letdown when it comes to building your financial foundation, but it truly doesn't have to be that way. If you're a physician wanting to take control over your financial future and take back the freedom you deserve, come hang out with this money nerd. No long hours or sleepless nights. Just you, me, and the Financial Residency Podcast. I'm your host, Ryan Inman, and welcome back to the show. This particular episode I feel is really needed because of the student loan debt crisis that we're experiencing in America. The amount of debt has risen steeply over the years, and honestly, it's going to continue to rise. Dealing with those loans and its servicers is complicated business, and borrowers should probably get a professional to explain all the fine print. I'm not even joking. And so today's guest is a student loan attorney. She's brilliant. Her name is Rebecca Maurer, and I'm so excited to have her on. I want to help you avoid the pain of dragging out your heavy student loan debt burdens. So I brought Rebecca on, who is a lawyer that specializes in student loan law and policy. She's an author, and I'm also really lucky to be able to collaborate with her frequently on my side project, Loan Buddy which can be found at loanbuddy.us, where we are helping borrowers get the answers to their student loan debt for free. Yep, free. So check it out. Rebecca and I talk about the debt crisis and what you can do to alleviate the burden of paying it back. It's a topic Rebecca has a ton of experience with, both personally and professionally. So why not take advice from someone who's been there and done that? I'd like to make a quick disclaimer before we begin. I want you to destroy your student loan debt, but the advice on today's show is for general purposes only. You should only take advice from someone who knows the ins and outs of your situation and finances. And I can only give quote unquote advice to clients who I've met directly and know a clear view of their goals. If you're looking for an advisor to help you on your journey to financial freedom, go to physicianwealthservices.com. All right, let's bring Rebecca in and find out what we need to know about student debt. Rebecca, thank you so much for being on the show. Really excited to have you on. Thank you so much for having me. I'm delighted to be here. Oh, I'm super stoked. So today we are going to be going all into PSLF and eventually talk about the fate of PSLF and will it be repealed and all that kind of great stuff. But let's start with the basics, kind of lob a softball up. What is PSLF and quickly, how do you qualify for it? Our favorite acronym in the student loan world, PSLF, eventually it rolls off the tongue. It stands for Public Service Loan Forgiveness. And the idea is that you make 120 qualifying payments on the right type of loan while in the right type of plan while working for the right type of employer. So let me take a minute to break all of those out. So you have to have the right type of loan, which are called direct loans. These are federal loans. So if you have private loans or if you have this older type of loan called Fell loans or Perkins loans, those aren't going to qualify. You also have to be on the right type of plan, which is generally one of the income-based repayment plans. 
And you have to be working for the right type of employer. So it's not just any old job. It's got to be a job with either a government agency or a 501c3, or there's certain limited categories for other types of public serving entities that aren't 501c3s, but that could still qualify. But I wouldn't bank on those. I would bank on government entities, state entities, or 501c3s. And then every year you should be filling out your annual certification form that goes to your servicer. And we all love, it's our favorite person or company ever, Fed Loan Servicing. I see so many issues and problems with the servicer. And I was wondering if you've got some tips for all of us out here on ways to communicate more effectively with Fed Loan or just how to navigate the horrible mess of Fed Loan itself. I tell this to every single one of my clients that the problems that come up with PSLF don't really come from the structure of the program as much as the administration and Fed loans in particular. So if you don't know what Fed loans is, it is one of the approved servicers for federal loans. But let's say you come out of school and your loans are with Great Lakes or Nelnet. The second you turn in the first one of your employment certification forms, those annual forms you mentioned, your loans are going to be transferred over to Fed Loan Servicing. They are the servicer that handles all the PSLF loans. And I don't, I don't know what's happening at Fed Loans, but there are just some problems with getting through to the right person, getting through to a customer service rep who knows what they're talking about, having them process forms on time. There's a ton of issues along those lines. The first thing to do if you're having issues with Fed loans, write down the issue you're having and don't just call over the phone, but actually send in that request through their online portal or through a letter or through their fax. If they don't respond within two weeks, I'd say, what you should do is resubmit that same request through what's called the FSA Ombudsman. This is the Federal Student Aid Ombudsman Office. And they are supposed to work with Fed Loan Servicing to resolve the issue. So in other words, the FSA Ombudsman is sort of like a watchdog. And, you know, we've definitely seen issues with the Ombudsman Office and the CFPB not having sort of the same fire in their belly on enforcement. But the Ombudsman Office is definitely still a place you can go to to sort of appeal if Fed Loan Servicing is not addressing your question. You send in that same request to FSA and tell them, hey, Fed Loans hasn't gotten back to me. And hopefully FSA will kick Fed Loan into action. That's really high quality information and actionable. There's a lot of different ways to contact Fed Loans and most of them are the incorrect way. When they call in, they don't know that this person's really just reading off a script and maybe not necessarily trying to be shady about it, but they're usually giving horrible, horrible information. Yeah, well, you know, I was just at a conference with the National Consumer Law Center, and a lot of what they talked about were the financial incentives that these servicers have. It doesn't come into play so much in PSLF, but the servicers actually get a lot more money if they push people into refinancing versus pushing them into consolidating. Or it might be the other way around, I forget. But essentially, these servicers are paid on like a service basis and the amount of money differs. So they have these internal incentives to push people in certain directions, regardless of whether that's the best thing for students. And that's one of the reasons why having some independent advice, independent knowledge on your student loans is so important. Please do not rely on Fed Loan Servicing to give you the full picture. I would not trust them to do that. I would never recommend someone to just take what they say at face value. 
Yeah, we've talked about like fiduciary advisors. And to be honest, we both know this working with Loan Buddy and, and how much advisors do know about student loans. Fed loan is not a fiduciary at all. Yeah. They have lots of conflicts of interest. And, you know, we try to eliminate those everywhere with who we're dealing with. We don't want to go to the doctor that is compensated by how many prescriptions that she writes. You know, we don't want to go to Fed loan servicing and trust everything that they're going to say because they're compensated in a different way. It is kind of frustrating that this is the trail, the breadcrumbs that kind of lead you through the PSLF track or even just your student loans in general. Let's switch here to talking about the fate of public service loan forgiveness, right? We've seen so many different things. I mean, last year we saw you know, 99% of the people got denied. It's like, well, no bleep. They weren't even supposed to be, you know, putting <laughs> it in the paperwork and they didn't do the qualified payments. They didn't do a number of things. I want to get your take on the fate of it right now. What, do, what are you kind of seeing? Gosh, this is the number one question I'm asked by my clients, by audiences whenever I speak, like what is going to happen to public service loan forgiveness? So the first thing is, you know, none of us have a crystal ball, but what we do have is a lot of legislated ideas that they haven't been put into place, but they've been put down on paper. And all of those suggestions all deal with changes to PSLF for new borrowers. They don't retroactively affect people who have already taken out their loans and have already begun making payments. So if you are already, you know, let's say five years into a 10-year program, read past the headline that says Department of Education, you know, raises suggested changes to PSLF. Read past that headline and just take a little bit of comfort in the idea that even the most conservative approaches have not dealt with people who are already partway through PSLF. It's all been for new borrowers. So are you essentially saying like if you go through the process and you have one qualified payment that you're not considered obviously a new borrower, so you would technically be grandfathered in in terms of the legislation you're seeing? In terms of the legislation I'm seeing, yeah, you're grandfathered in if you've already taken out the loans and started making payments. Yeah. And I think here's actually a good break for a second to highlight your background and how well connected you are. So maybe just tell us your background, attorney, how you're just kicking butt in everything you're doing yeah. so people can feel some comfort around, okay, this is someone who really knows her stuff. And now I'm not freaked out by the clickbait headlines. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's a good question. Who is this person, you know, talking about student loans with you? So I operate as a solo practitioner based in my hometown of Cleveland, Ohio, operating as Maurer Law, LLC. That's M-A-U-R-E-R. -E and it's been really exciting. I'm well connected through the National Consumer Law Center's um, student loan groups. And I'm really proud to announce that I'm a new Student Borrower Protection Center Justice Fellow, which means that. I work with a cohort of ex-CFPB officials, so the Consumer Financial Protection Bureau. A bunch of their student loan attorneys left and found a new nonprofit to help protect borrowers in the new administration and in this new era where we see student loan balances rising so rapidly. They have a cohort of fellows all over the country who are doing research and academic work on student loans. And I am one of their fellows. So this is really a passion area for me. I love working with individuals. I love thinking about this from a systemic level. But there's a lot of reasons why I'm very involved with the PSLF world. Absolutely. And so it's clear, like you have so much knowledge to be able to give to all of us listening. You really are in tune and in touch with legislation. I think that should carry a lot of weight when we're talking about this stuff. So let's go into some of the things that we've heard, right, with PSLF getting repealed. 
And that could be something that maybe that wasn't the headline now, that was more a headline a little bit ago. Now it's more of like, hey, look, everyone got denied. Can they repeal this completely for people who are already in the program? No, I don't think they would be able to repeal it for people already in the program. I mean, look, you never know what this Congress is going to do, but that's just not what we've seen. Even people who are saying this isn't a sustainable program, we've got to shut it down. Their version of shutting it down is always for newcomers. It's not for people who already have their loans and who are already making payments. Yeah. Isn't there a legal term, um, estoppel? That says like if you rely on something and you're in the contract, they have legal recourse basically to come back. You know, I didn't want to get into all of that because there's always tricky issues when you're talking about the liability of the federal government. But I do think there's a real issue there, which is that people have been making choices based on this program. If they are not grandfathered in, I certainly think there'd be a lot of lawyers all around the country thinking about what sort of claims they could bring on behalf of borrowers. How many people are in the program for PSLF? Like 600? So the latest numbers I saw, I believe, are 600,000 have submitted at least one employment certification form. Yeah, 600,000 was kind of what I was thinking. And I'm sure a good number of those people are attorneys. So it's like, (laughs) do you really want to go piss off a bunch of it? Granted, all the listeners are doctors. So like, we're kind of at the mercy. But I'm pretty sure you don't want to go piss off like 50,000 attorneys that are just struggling to survive and now you're going to come after their student. Yeah, I think that's right. I mean, there's sort of this new law firm called Selendi and Gay. If you are at all familiar with the like upper echelon law firm world, you might know names like Cravath or Sullivan and Cromwell. And one of those firms is called Quinn Emanuel. Selendi and Gay is this new firm that's a branch off of Quinn Emanuel. So it's really like top tier attorneys who They don't put time into cases unless they know there's a good reason for it. And they just initiated a lawsuit against Navient for how Navient handled PSLF issues, which you think to yourself, well, why was Navient dealing with PSLF? Well, they had people who had loans with Navient who were thinking about PSLF and Navient thought to themselves, if we push them away from PSLF, we can keep those loans on our books rather than having to send them over to Fed Loan Servicing. So all that is to say, it's a brand new lawsuit. We don't know the merits of it, but don't piss off a bunch of attorneys because they're going to figure out what their rights are and they're going to move forward with it. Yeah. So I, I don't think we've got anything to really worry about them stopping, but you know, I get it all the time. Like, Hey, I'm 90 payments in, I'm 80 payments in, or I'm a hundred payments in. What could the government do to me in the next three years that really makes this you know, a horrible idea or I'm halfway through, what are my risks? I really don't think the risk at that stage is them getting rid of the program. The risk is some type of administrative hiccup with Fed loan servicing. And that's why I tell everybody, keep copies of everything, keep copies of all the records, all your communications with Fed loans. If you're doing the plan correctly, right type of loan, right type of repayment plan, right type of employer, you should be good. But you should be in charge of that process, not just Fed loan servicing. So make sure you're keeping all your documentation and that you really know and can advocate for yourself that you're doing the right things to qualify for the program. Yeah, I just had a client, we were starting to go through a student debt and we were talking about that information regarding your eligibility for public service loan forgiveness form that you just find, like if you log into Fed loan, they don't tell you it's there. It's just, you click in your messages and it's like, oh, here's probably the most important document that they're gonna send you. By the way, we're going to give you no notice that we sent it. And (laughs) he noticed some discrepancies. And so he was starting to dig into it. And they said it would be a one-year 
turnaround review on his case. And I'm like, that is not right. We need to call back. We need to talk to someone else that isn't reading from a script and be able to do it. And we're just starting that process. But yeah, never trust Navient, never trust Fedloan. Like these guys, they're just, they're not there to help you. No, they never cease to amaze me, you know, and any bureaucracy is going to have problems, but there are definitely like better run bureaucracies and worse run bureaucracies. And Fedloan at this point, I just have very little trust and faith in them based on what I've seen from my clients. And I'm sure you're feeling the same way based on what you've seen as well. Yeah. And unfortunately, like we were chatting before the call, you know, we're about 80 clients at Physician Well Services, and I'm pretty positive not one of them came to me with like, all my loan stuff is perfectly in order in this nice little package tied with a nice little ribbon. We've had to go and start digging into all of this stuff. So if you're listening and you have student debt, I'm going to say the probability of you having all your loan stuff figured out is quite low. So please like jump into action and start talking and getting these things done. Definitely check out this document that they send you in your message center called information regarding your eligibility for public service loan forgiveness, because it has all the great info that you need to know and you need to make sure it's correct. Yeah. And in particular, they'll tell you how many months of qualifying payments they think you have. And you can compare that with how many months of qualifying payments you think you have and really start seeing if you need to start making a ruckus now or whether you're checking all the right boxes. Yeah. Don't wait. Please don't wait. If it's off a payment, like don't wait. It's not worth waiting because as everyone starts to get close to that 120, guess how backed up they're going to be then? Most people are 60, 70, 80 and not 120 or 110. And, you know, that's the other scary thing. I mean, I'm trying I'm not terrifi- to be sort I'm of terrified. like apocalyptic about federal servicing. Because, <laughs> you know, I do think the federal government is like realizing this is an issue. One thing we talked about before we started recording was that there are sort of conversations about where we go from here because you're right. It's basically a bubble, right? So we started out with only a couple people making proper payments in 2007, 2008, But every year, there's more people who are reaching that 120 benchmark. So they're going to do something. Yeah, it was ICR, then the new repayment programs like PlanStar coming out, the income-driven ones. And so more people got on. And now we're kind of ramping up to this like, uh uh-oh, even the government, because now they're starting to step in and be like, oh, we have a problem. Even they're starting to see like all these loans are going to come due in the next, you know, couple years. The servicers already crap. What are they going to do? So I'm, I'm terrified. That's why I say we need to get your loans in now. Everything needs to be perfectly documented. And then every time you're submitting the form, everything needs to be perfect when you get it back. If it is not the case now, you are just in a world of hurt if you're going to wait for this. Yeah, exactly. What are your biggest worries then about PSLF? You know, we actually did see the federal government expand PSLF a little bit for these people who were on graduated repayment plans rather than income-based repayment plans. But the federal government has not expanded PSLF to cover people with older types of loans. And there are a lot of people who were wrongly making payments on a different type of loan that doesn't technically qualify. You know, the whole dang point of this program is to support people who choose to give back to the public, either by working for the government or working for a 501c3. And there's no way in which the exact technical type of loan that you have changes that public policy. We should be supporting people who choose to give back and take a lower salary to do some good in the world. I'd like to see the federal government expand the PSLF 
program to fell loans and to other types of federal loans, I think that would just be a huge weight off people's minds. That is a concern I have is that as the years go by, we'll see more people with these fell loans realizing, dang, I didn't do this correctly. So, you know, that's a worry I have. I mean, truly the bureaucratic stuff is what I worry about for my clients because I'm a lawyer. I like giving certainty and giving advice to people and saying like, I know for sure that if you do X, Y, and Z, this is going to be the outcome. Or at least being able to say, well, it's likely to go this way, likely to go that way. We like to operate in worlds of certainty. And just what we've seen over the past couple of years is a lot of uncertainty for borrowers. And I'd like to see changes to the servicing that give students a better idea about what they're actually walking into when they choose to participate in the PSLF program. One of the things I've always kind of in the back of my mind worried about was, I think they'll keep the program intact. I think everyone will be able to kind of go through it as is, but I don't know, and we don't have to get into like why the government's basically broke, but I don't know if they're going to be able to allow it to be tax-free. And I know that that whole estoppel thing can make it, but I think if PSLF does change, they probably won't get rid of the whole program completely and repeal it and it's gone. I think it'll make it to where it's like, surprise, it's not tax-free. That's an interesting idea because that can be a real tax bomb for people. Huge. You know, you suddenly, yeah, it's huge, especially, you know, you have $300,000 in debt or something. Yeah, that would be really prohibitive for a lot of folks. I, I mean, likely for new borrowers. You yeah, know, it's, exactly. it's not going to be someone like in it. Before, when we had no idea, I was saying, hey, let's kind of have a hedge. Let's start putting what your true payment should be as opposed to your income-driven repayment is 500 yeah. a month and you should be paying 1000 Let's take the other 500 and let's actually invest it and save and that kind of thing. That worry is kind of subsiding now, but I think new borrowers, I think it'll exist, but I feel like it's not going to be tax-free. That's interesting. I have not heard of that one yet, but you never know what people are going to come up with. And the thing is for new borrowers... The federal government does have a lot of latitude. They can change this program. It's federal loans. It's a federal program. It's not set in stone. There's no, nothing came from on high saying with 10 years, your loans will be forgiven. So it could change for new borrowers. And we never know exactly what that will look like. So I know we've got kind of a wider range of listeners. Most of them are residents and newer attendings, but we do have a couple med students that are listening right now. Do you have any advice for them if they're like, I'm a new borrower, what am I going to, like, how is this going to work? <laughs> well, first of all, you know, I've been sort of hedging by saying new borrower and made payments. To be honest, from what I've seen, it's most likely that for having taken out the loans themselves, you should be okay just based on that. My best advice for folks who are still in school or still taking out loans is just don't stick your head in the sand about your loans. I know it's a huge source of anxiety. It was a huge source of anxiety for me and sort of overcoming that as I was getting through law school, helping to educate myself about my loans was a big hurdle. And then I found that I loved it and I really liked talking to people about their loans. But I completely get the impulse to just say, oh, it's a lot of debt. I'm just going to let it sit there and not worry about it. But Truly, like the more you understand, the more you are aware of it, the better you can prepare. So don't stick your head in the sand through your residency because you're going to come out the other side and maybe you haven't been preparing yourself for PSLF correctly or you could have done something along the way that would have helped. Just educate yourself and be aware of them. Don't just let them sit there through med school and residency. Yeah, love it. Don't be an ostrich. And please don't go into forbearance in your first year. Yes. Those oh zero dollar payments are critical. Please do not. Please do not. Yep. <laughs> so we've got a curbside consult question for you. Yeah. 
My husband is currently PGY2 of 3 Emergency Medicine and on the repay program. We have signed with a nonprofit employer for post-training. I currently make a salary of between forty to 50000 but plan on working very little once we're done with training. We never thought about pursuing public service loan forgiveness when we were in med school. As for EM, it's very variable whether or not you'll work for a nonprofit agency. My husband has around $200,000 of federal loans, no private, and has been making just the minimum payments through residency. Is public service loan forgiveness always the best choice, even with being on the repay program? Thanks for any help. The first thing to know about repay in particular is that repay requires you to always include both spouses' incomes together in the repayment plan. So there are other qualifying plans for PSLF that maybe would help them separate the spousal income so that they're not having to pay a larger amount each month. So depending on who has what balance of student loans and who has what income coming in the door, potentially filing their taxes separately and then being on another plan could potentially help save them money. But here's the thing. If you have $200,000, I think that's what they mentioned in that voicemail. They had about $200,000 in loans. 10 years on an income-based repayment plan is going to be less money overall than paying off those loans in full over a 20 or 30 year time horizon. I suppose I could be drastically wrong if they maybe have way more income than I had anticipated from the attending salary, but a 10 year time horizon on income-based repayment, especially with a few years in residency, is going to be less than paying it off in full. And so if they're going to be working for qualifying employers anyways, I don't see why they wouldn't at least try for PSLF. Yeah, good hedge for your bet. I, I look at it as so EM Doc maybe makes, let's say, 300000 when they're out. And if you got a couple hundred thousand in loans, if you're certain that you're going to qualify and that you're truly working for a nonprofit, a 501c3, most of the time I see the hospital is a 501c3, but you're employed by a physician group. Physicians group. Yeah, and, the physicians and it group doesn't is qualify. Killer. It's killer. I mean, look at your W-2s, look at your pay stubs so that you are sure you're working for who you think you're working for. Because oof, you do not want to find out six years into what you think is PSLF that you're actually working for a for-profit physicians group. Yeah, you absolutely need it. So that's, that's my advice is to look at that, make sure that you aren't employed by some random physician group and that it really is a 501c3. And then I would make the distinction then. But yeah. Rebecca, thank you so much for being on. It is amazing to always chat with you. I feel like I always learn a ton and I'm sure <laughs> everyone here learned a boatload from you. Awesome. Awesome. Well, I really appreciate it. If anybody wants to, I have a bunch of blog posts up on my site about different issues related to student loans, and I have some other information up there. You can visit my firm's website, which is morerlawllc.com. I'll spell that for you because some people say my last name differently. Morer, M as in mother, A-U-R-E-R, lawllc.com. Yeah, folks can kind of check it out, see if anything on there is helpful. And thank you for what you're doing because really talking to, especially with physicians, having those artificially low salaries during residency and how long residency programs can be. Doctors are such an important group to get information about student loans because those med school balances are so high. So thank you for all the work you do. And thank you for having me on to sort of help spread the word about what's happening with PSLF. In our journal club, we're going to be discussing an article that was posted on some crazy site called financialresidency.com. 
and it's titled The Definitive Guide to Medical School Debt for New Doctors, What Every Physician Needs to Know Right Now. And you can find it at financialresidency.com slash student loan. In it, I discuss everything you need to know about your student debt. And I mean everything. I'll give you a few examples. We're going to go over the types of loans available, the best loans for future physicians, public service loan forgiveness, and the effect of medical school debt and when you can't pay off that student debt. That's just a few of the many topics that I go into. As of 2018, the average amount of medical school debt has averaged around 194000 Compare that to eight years earlier in 2010, the average medical school debt was 162000 That's quite a jump, and it shows you that these numbers are increasing and fast. This article is really comprehensive. I went to great lengths to give you as much information as you need to figure out and conquer your student debt. Seriously, this thing is 7,500 words. It's one of the best guides out there if you have medical school debt. As someone who's married to a physician who had student loan debt, I understand what kind of weight the student loan debt puts on you. I've written a lot about it. I've talked a lot about it. My goal is to help lift that weight off of all of you. So go to financialresidency.com slash student loan and check out that definitive guide. Well, I really hope you guys enjoyed the interview with Rebecca. It's so fun to chat with her and I was happy I was able to get her on and record for us. Let's give a short recap on a few things that I think you really need to take away to improve your financial health. First, Rebecca tells us that in order to participate in PSLF, you have to make 120 qualifying payments on the right type of loan, on the right type of plan, while working for the right type of employer. So you have to have the right type of loan, which are called direct loans. These are federal loans. So if you have private loans or if you have this older type of loan called Fell loans or Perkins loans, those aren't going to qualify. You also have to be on the right type of plan, which is generally one of the income-based repayment plans. And you have to be working for the right type of employer. So it's not just any old job. It's got to be a job with either a government agency or a 501c3, or there's certain limited categories for other types of public serving entities that aren't 501c3s, but that could still qualify. But I wouldn't bank on those. I would bank on government entities, state entities, or 501c3s. Number two, there are so many issues with Fed loan servicing and communication is definitely one of them. I asked Rebecca what tips she might have for us. If you don't know what Fed Loans is, it is one of the approved servicers for federal loans. But let's say you come out of school and your loans are with Great Lakes or Nelnet. The second you turn in the first one of your employment certification forms, those annual forms you mentioned, your loans are going to be transferred over to Fed Loan Servicing, and they are the servicer that handles all the PSLF loans. And they're just, I don't, I don't know what's happening at Fed Loans, but there are just some problems with getting through to the right person. Third, what should you do if you have a problem getting an issue resolved with your servicer? And Rebecca explains what the next step is when you don't get a response in less than two weeks. 
The first thing to do if you're having issues with Fed loans, write down the issue you're having and don't just call over the phone, but actually send in that request through their online portal or through a letter or through their fax. If they don't respond within two weeks, I'd say, what you should do is resubmit that same request through what's called the FSA Ombudsman. This is the Federal Student Aid Ombudsman Office. The advice on the Fed Loan Servicing staff is driven by what is best for them, not for you. Please remember that. It's a good idea to get some independent advice about your student debt and research your own questions. Number four, they say that all good things will end. Well, what does that mean for PSLF? All of those suggestions all deal with changes to PSLF for new borrowers. They don't retroactively affect people who have already taken out their loans and have already begun making payments. So if you are, you know, let's say five years into a 10-year program, read past the headline, read past the headline that says, Department of Education, you know, raises suggested changes to PSLF. Read past that headline and just take a little bit of comfort in the idea that even the most conservative approaches have not dealt with people who are already partway through PSLF. All right. So there we have it. If you have the loans and have already made payments, you're going to be grandfathered in. I know that's a big one. We got an answer from a student loan attorney. Number five, Rebecca addresses some of the bigger worries surrounding PSLF. You know, we actually did see the federal government expand PSLF a little bit for these people who were on graduated repayment plans rather than income-based repayment plans. But the federal government has not expanded PSLF to cover people with older types of loans. And there are a lot of people who were wrongly making payments on a different type of loan that doesn't technically qualify. Hey everyone, listen up real quick. As your host of the Financial Residency Podcast, I'm not an attorney, a psychic, nor do I play one on TV. I'm glad you came here to learn and get excited about your finances. There's no purchase necessary to win, but you do need to know that your money decisions should be talked through with someone knowledgeable about your situation. And that person isn't me unless you're already a client. And that's a totally different story. So please consult your attorney, your CPA, or heck, reach out to me, a fee-only financial planner, to help you get on your feet the right way. Next week, we have a really fun show planned with special guest, returning guest, Doug Krause. It's going to be one that you won't want to miss. Until next time, everyone, have a great week. Cheers. Cheers.